Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you doing okay? I am. I think things are a bit better. You know, the end of the summer holidays is now in sight. In fact, let me just move the microphone a bit nearer. There we go. Um, And an email from uh, youngest child, uh, my son's school, to say, uh, ever so sorry to to mess you around, um, but actually we'd like them in a day early. <laughs> I was like, yes, 24 hours early, please. This is excellent news. So, yes, I, I was very excited about that indeed. I mean, yes, you still got, I don't know, we've got to finish this week, then we've got another week, then another year. So there's still more to go, but it's fine. We're going away next week. By the time you listen to this, I will have returned, but we're going away next week. Originally, we're going for three nights but we've managed to extend it to four nights, which is so exciting. Um, So I'll tell you all about that on on the return. Um, The problem was that I was due to record this on Monday and that is now the first day of our holiday. So I was trying to contact the the author uh, that I was going to interview, um, which is Tammy Cohen, because she's written The Wedding Party. And I was trying to contact her to say, oh, can we just record it um, earlier so that I can get this extra 24 hours of my holiday? And then I discovered she's poor Tammy's had some awful news. Um, Tammy, our sympathies are with you and your family. Um, And so it just it just couldn't be that we could interview her, which is a real shame. But we'll definitely have her on another time. Um, but we've had a superhero step into the breach to to help us out. And uh, yes, more on that in a bit. So the books I'm going to be reviewing today are The Wedding Party by Tammy Cohen, Summer Water by Sarah Moss, um, Falling by TJ Newman, Many Different Kinds of Love by Michael Rosen, And uh, once more, we're going to be talking about The Miseducation of Evie Epworth by Matson Taylor. So, yes, you've guessed it. Matson is our superhero stepping in uh, just just to help me out today, which is brilliant. And although I've talked to Matson before on this podcast a a long time ago, 13, 14 months ago, um, we've got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since then. Um, so just hold on for that. That's that's going to be great. So we're going to go through the book reviews first. Then we're going to talk to Matson, and then I'll fi- finish it off if that if that's okay. Before I get started, I need to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to Heidi in Canada. Heidi, you have left me the loveliest review on Apple iTunes. I I can't tell you how much it means. The numbers of this podcast are going up and up, which is amazing. It's just incredible to think that you're all around the world listening to me twaddle on about my life and books, whether I love them or don't love them, all different types of books. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Um, And Heidi, thank you for your review. You are a superstar. Right. So let's let's get on to the books. Um, The first one, as I say, is The Wedding Party by Tammy Cohen. Sadly, Tammy can't be with us today, but completely understandable. As I say, sympathies with you, 
Tammy. So let's look at the blurb of this this book first. Lucy has dreamt of her wedding day for as long as she can remember. And now the day is almost here. Her nearest and dearest are gathered on an idyllic Greek island and she just knows it's going to be perfect. It has to be. But even the best laid plans can go horribly wrong. What is the secret her parents are keeping from her? Who is the silent stranger her sister has bought as her plus one? And then they find the body. It's going to be a day to remember. Um, and it's a book to remember. The, the cover's glorious. It's this blue that you would imagine on a, on a lovely sort of Greek day with the sea and just this vibrant blue. And there's a glass of champagne on there. And it just says the bride, the groom, the victim. That's fantastic. Now, we always like to do first sentences. So let's do, well, do I do the prologue? Hang on a minute, sorry, because chapter one is, I'm going, actually, I'm not going to read the first sentence. I'm going to read the first paragraph because it's short and I think it, it deserves this. So, from up here, the body resembled a swastika. He'd watched it materialise gradually in the grainy grey pre-dawn light lying on the beach below with its limbs splayed out at right angles. Uh, I think it's a great book. Um, if you want something that sort of makes you pang for um, being away, being abroad, but equally uh, you don't pang for it that much because you think, oh gosh, there are some strange people doing strange things. And this is a great book for you. Um, it's quick. It's fast. You've got the different points of view, You the the tension build, but almost right at the beginning. I mean, I've read you from that prologue that, that you know there's the body there. Um, but who is it? Why is it there? What's happened? It's got all the classic pieces of a, of a good whodunit. Um, and in fact, Rosamund Lupton's quoted as saying claustrophobic, creepy and page turning. And I think that sums it up beautifully. So, yeah, very good. Very interesting book there. Um, and now we come on to something very different. Summer Water by Sarah Moss. Um, now, I don't know if you know, there's a chap called Simon Savage. He is huge in the book world, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Um, and I, I've always thought of Simon as a very, a very clever chap. Um, and he had raved about this book and I just wasn't sure. And then the weather turned here. It felt like I was in the Lake District, you know, when the air feels wet and it's the skies are grey. I quite like it at that time. I know I'm weird. But it just, I don't know, The when I go for walks, it all smells nice. I do sound a bit strange as I'm saying that, don't I? But anyway, and I just thought, I want to read Summer Water. It's a short book, uh, 198, 198 pages, 199, 200. See, I can count. Philip can count up from 198 to 200. Who'd have thought? Um, but it's a short book and it it's a different one. It's compelling. Let's read the blurb first. It is the summer solstice, but in a faded Scottish cabin park, the rain is unrelenting. Twelve people on holiday with their families look on as the skies remain resolutely grey. A woman goes running up the ben as if fleeing. A teenage boy chances the dark waters of the lock in his kayak. A retired couple head out despite the downpour, driving too fast on the familiar bends. But there are newcomers too, and one particular family, a mother and daughter with the wrong clothes and the wrong manners, start to draw the attention of the others. Who are they? Where are they from? Should they be here at all? As darkness finally falls, something is unravelling. Let's do first sentence. The first sentence is... Ooh. Ah. Um, yeah, OK. This is the very first sentence and this very short chapter uh, is called The Sounds of Blood and Air. Dawn. There's no sunrise, no birdsong. Um, and what I loved about this is you get a chapter on one person or a couple or a family and then you get a very short chapter. It's, it's like um, a verse, really. Um, that then pulls you out of your your close up view of of that family or character setup, and then you zoom into another one, and it's as if you're just moving from one um, holiday home to another in in this park. And as I say, you've got the gloomy weather. It's a very 
a sort of claustrophobic book um, and you're just thinking, oh, my goodness, is this the person that's going to die? Is this the person what's going to happen? And I like how it does that. If this book had been 500 pages long, would I have liked it as much? No, but it isn't. And I and I, I just like having something. I know I talk about some books are palate cleansers. And this for me really was. It got my brain cells working. It pulled me out of my usual crime thriller book. Um, and uh, yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. Um, she's got another book coming out in, I believe, leave November um, and it's based in sort of COVID times and I really want to read that book so I'm thoroughly thoroughly looking forward to that one so that's Summer Water by Sarah Moss there we go the pile is building now we come on to Falling by T.J. Newman wow this was a book this was a book and a half listen to this you just boarded a flight to New York there are 143 other passengers on board what you don't know is that 30 minutes before the flight, your pilot's family was kidnapped. For his family to live, everyone on your plane must die. The only way the family will survive is if the pilot follows his orders and crushes the plane. Enjoy the flight. I love this book. I love this book so much. OK, some people are saying they don't like it. I loved it. I thought it had everything that I want. It, it was a book I couldn't put down. I was so worried about everyone on the plane, about this family, what was going to happen. It felt real to me. Um, and TJ Newman, I believe, is a debut author and she's worked as an air hostess. In fact, part of this book was written while she was on a plane, hopefully not while she was pouring drinks to someone, you know, while writing it out, burning someone with hot water. But um, yeah, if, if you want, if you want a thriller, if you're happy with an aeroplane one, I know not everyone is, read this. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, just just read it. Do, please. And tell me what you think. So there we go. So from that one, which is pretty full on, um, you know, a real oh my goodness, can can I cope with this? To a book that is very different. It's called Many Different Kinds of Love, a story of life, death and the NHS by Michael Rosen. Um, this is a book that I will never forget that had me feeling upset, horrified, scared, happy, all sorts of emotions. Um it's about when Michael Rosen caught COVID and ended up being very seriously ill and in hospital. Um, let's, re let's read the blurb. It's a long blurb, but bear with me on this. Very poorly. It's something they say about me. Every so often, a doctor or nurse stands by my bed and says, you were very poorly. Michael Rosen wasn't feeling well. Soon he was struggling to breathe and then he was admitted to hospital, suffering from coronavirus as the nation teetered on the edge of a global pandemic. What followed was months on the ward, six weeks in an induced coma and many more weeks of rehab and recovery as the NHS saved Michael's life and then got him back on his feet. Throughout Michael's stay in intensive care, a notebook lay at the end of his bed where the nurses who cared for him wrote letters of hope and support. Embarking on the long road to recovery, Michael was soon ready to start writing about his near-death experience. Combining stunning new prose poems by one of Britain's best-loved poets and the moving coronavirus diaries of his nurses, doctors and wife, Emma Louise Williams, this is a beautiful book about love, life and the NHS, featuring original illustrations by Chris Riddle. Each page celebrates the power of community, the importance of kind gestures in dark times and the indomitable spirits of the people who keep us well. Actually, as I'm reading that and I'm reading to you the bits about the diary that the NHS staff wrote when he was in a coma. This is terrible. I'm trying not to cry because it. I didn't know that that would happen. And I can't imagine what a gift that would be when you come out of a coma. And, you, you know, what's happened? Who's looked after me? I, I Yeah. Oh, wow. A, a book, a book and a half. It, it really is a book and a half. Um. OK, so what is the first um, first section? OK, well, this is the first section is feeling unwell. And this is sort of the first sentence. 28th of March, 2020, 1240. Hi, guys. 
quick update. We've just spoken to an advanced paramedic on the phone. Get this book. Um, read it. it. It's it's a it shows about survival and life. Um, and and what that survival is, I, I just thought it's a, it's a great book. It's my sort of here's a soft option, but actually it's it's a really hard and heart. It's a hard option and it's a heartwarming option. So I think we've got some really good books this week, folks. I really do. Um, and now I need to talk to you about the miseducation of Evie Epworth. So I have talked about this book so much. Whenever anybody is saying, oh, can you recommend a really good field book? Um, read for me something that I'm just going to smile at and and love and enjoy I go on about it so much I know but I just love it it's one of my favorite books it just feels like uh, in the UK we always used to have Sunday evening TV which was just warm and cozy and nice and that's how it feels it's a story that has some upsetting scenes in it so it's not all lo lovely but it, it's a great book. Here's the blurb, just in case you haven't heard me say it before. It's the summer of 1962 and 16-year-old Evie Epworth stands on the cusp of womanhood. But what kind of a woman will she be? Up until now, Evie's life has been nothing special. A patchwork of school, guides, cows, lost mothers, lacrosse and village fates. But inspired by her idols, Charlotte Bronte, Shirley MacLaine and the Queen, she dreams of a world far away from rural East Yorkshire. A world of glamour lived under the bright lights of London or Leeds. Standing in the way of these dreams, though, is Christine, Evie's soon-to-be stepmother, a manipulative and money-grabbing schemer who is lining Evie up for a life of shampoo and set drudgery at the stinky local saloon. Luckily, Evie is not alone. With the help of a few friends and the wise counsel of the two Adam Faith posters on her bedroom wall, Brooding Adam and Sophisticated Adam, Evie comes up with a plan to rescue her future from Christine's pink and over-perfumed clutches. She'll need a little luck, a dash of charm and a big dollop of Yorkshire magic if she is to succeed. But in the process, she may just discover who exactly it is she is meant to be. Um, the first, I'm going to read the first paragraph, actually, not the first sentence, because the first sentence is just four words. Um, but this is chapter one, Wednesday, 13th of June, 1962. I'm a dog loving, celery hating, never annoying, always enjoying, at times corduroying, daughter of Arthur and the fastest girl with a milk bottle in East Yorkshire. There we go. Um, so we're going to talk to Matson, who's very kindly uh, agreed to come on at late notice now. So, Matson Taylor, author of The Miseducation of Evie Etworth, thank you so much for joining me today. It's, it's my pleasure, Philip. It's lovely to be back. I feel very honoured. Thank you. Well, you are my superhero, jumping in at the last minute to hell. I really appreciate it. But we need to talk because a lot has happened. So, the last time we talked on this podcast, a publication day of the hardback was about two weeks away. And since then, so much has gone on. So, yes, how, how's it all been? Well, yeah, you were my very first interview. So you know, it was before the book came out. I was really nervous, really <laughs> excited. And it was just, oh, I got wonderful, wonderful memories. Of, I can remember it was a Thursday and I was sat on my sofa, it was on the phone. And we were talking about, yeah, the book. And it was lovely to talk to somebody who'd read the book. That was such a, a, a magical experience. And then thinking about what's going to happen when the hardback came out, which was you know, yeah. two weeks hence. Um, and oh God, it's been such an, um, an amazing year, to be honest. Yeah, so exciting. When the hardback came out and I just went mad and, and got around as many bookshops as I possibly could. I think because um, partly, partly because I've, I've always wanted to write a book. And, and so when a book comes out and it's something that I've always wanted to do, I was really excited quite tiggerish I mean people used to say when I went into the shops you're quite tiggerish aren't you and they, they could feel this wave of enthusiasm before I even stepped over the door I think um, and of course it was it was after lockdown so it was in that sort of brief period in the summer yeah. where we were allowed to go about masks and things so I went and did that um, and and also because writing a book is quite a lonely thing you're sat on your own 
all the time, just you and the computer. So it was wonderful to be able to go and speak to booksellers and get into bookshops. And, you know, that again was just fantastic. And mm. some of the booksellers had read the book even, which was just fantastic as well. Um, and that went on for about two months. I just went round wow. touring, visiting, chatting, <laughs> something that I always find very hard, obviously, <laughs> like chatting. And people were just lovely. And and it's it's funny as well because there's so many things that you can't control um, as a writer, but you know, like you know, press and interviews and all of these things. So I think I kind of poured all my energy into what I could control, which was just me yeah. going around and saying hello and and trying to talk to people about the book. And that went on for a couple of months. And then I thought, right, I better get on with writing the next book. <laughs> Which is what I've been doing. Yeah, no. (laughs) Well, it really did feel quite pressured, actually. Yeah. And I think that's something that's an interesting thing, because obviously when your first book, there's zero pressure because you don't. I mean, I had no expectations at all, to be honest. I wasn't even thinking of an agent, let alone an editor and a real book. It was just something I wrote Evie to, I suppose, to cheer myself up as much as anything, and just to disappear into this wonderful world, you know, and and, and it, it worked wonderfully, you know, I was, it, it was brilliant actually being able to disappear into Evie land. Mm. Um, and then suddenly you've got people who have really loved the book. I mean, one of the things from that summer that I can remember really well is I'd only just gone on social media. So I hadn't really been on social media very much at all. And, and my editor and the publicists all said no you should you should go on so I went on and I was quite wary to be honest having not been on social media at all and it's been such a wonderful experience because the book corner of social media is the best place in the world so you know on Twitter on Instagram so many lovely people who who I now count as friends you know I meet I've met some of them and it's wonderful actually and, and and of course, I had readers getting in touch with direct messages and, and telling me about their experiences. And that was just an amazing experience as just somebody responding to something that you've written in, in a, a really beautiful, lovely way. You know, I've had I've had wonderful messages where you know, really quite poignant messages and, and, and other messages where people are saying, oh, it's just really cheered me up. It's been wonderful. Somebody said Evie gave me a, a reason to smile when when things were quite hard, oh, which was lovely. Yes. How great. And I and I could see as well when you were going on your tour around all these bookshop stores, people were baking Evie cakes and making things and Evie biscuits. I felt like I was missing out on all these wonderful items. It, it looked great. It's well, it, exactly. Yeah. I'd walk into a bookshop and there'd be a cup of tea and a slice of cake waiting for me, which, which is fantastic, actually. You know, <laughs> the, my cunning plan of having lots of cake in the book obviously worked. It was good. I'm, what, what can I do for book two? I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm just thinking about <laughs> What can I have waiting for me now, you know? <laughs> but now you're, uh, you know, a published author. Do you flounce around in a in a silk cardigan, you know, saying <laughs> darling a lot? Is that is that changed? Well, you know, it's really weird because I, it, I don't feel like, uh, you know, a published author who can, who, who's got the right to flounce around in anything <laughs> at all. I don't feel any different. It's very strange. So what, what I noticed actually in particular was when the paperback came out, because um, the hardback, you know, not many people buy hardback fiction, and particularly of a debut novelist. And mm. so it's kind of like a little soft launch. Um, and so, and that was great. And I, I kind of really enjoyed it. And I thought the paperback launch would be something similar. But um, it wasn't. It kind of all just went up to a whole new level. And and I think because with the hardback, we'd had the Radio 2 book club. Yes. And then with the paperback, we had the Richard and Judy book club, which was just <laughs> absolutely, I mean, I was just amazing, incredible. I I really felt like I was living the dream, to be honest. Mm. It was such a shock, a really wonderful shock. And I think that that really made people notice the book and 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 me to a certain extent and so then going around and, and visiting bookshops was a, a different experience yeah 
Really and good. have you had that moment where you're just sitting somewhere and you look and somebody is reading your book? Have you had that yet? I haven't had that yet. No, I haven't because I haven't been. To be honest, I've just been locked away. So the the kind of like the you know the Christmas lockdown and, and the sort of early year. I was I was up yeah. in Yorkshire up, up with my father actually. So I was up there when when everything locked down. And I I just sort of stayed there for six months. So didn't really see very much at all or or, or anybody reading any books. Um, and then since I've been in London, I have been just locked away writing or, or teaching. I teach at university, so I haven't done that. But one really funny thing did. Did happen and it's when I was in Ilkley and I was signing um, at a, a lovely bookshop called The Grove and very luckily they're just next door to Betty's in Ilkley so I thought I can't possibly Perfect. come to Ilkley and not go to Betty's yeah so of course I, I was queuing up to get into Betty's because of social distancing you have to queue up outside and I got to the front of the queue and um, I saw somebody inside looking at me and I thought, oh, maybe, you know, somebody who worked at Betty's, I thought maybe she's going to come out and tell me it's my turn to come in or something like that. And she came out and she said, excuse me, I'm really sorry to bother you, but are you Matson Taylor? <gasps> <laughs> and it was, I felt like, you know, like Madonna or something. It was amazing. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She said, "Oh, well, I follow you on on Instagram, and I've loved the book, and I've read the book, and it's good." And we had this, and then I knew who she was. Then, as soon as she said, "I was like, oh God, yeah, no, I remember it's Elliot," and we were chatting, and so that was it. Was really <laughs> surreal, wonderful, yeah. Yes. More moments like that, I can't wait. Yeah, well, I mean, one lovely thing to look forward to is there are going to be some uh, sort of um, book events coming up in the autumn. So I can't wait just to go and meet people and chat. Yeah. Have you got any confirmed that you can tell us about so far? We've got a few, yeah. So we've got, we're, I'm at Ilkley, I'm doing the Ilkley Book Festival, which yeah. is uh, fantastic. <laughs> Another Betty's visit, definitely. <laughs> and then the Beverly, so the East Ridings Festival of Words, which, oh, which will wow. be wonderful because one of my favourite chapters in the book is set in Beverly. And then I'm doing a Book Taster Live event um, coming up very soon, actually. And that's uh, the Book Taster is something on, on online, on Instagram. Oh, okay. And it's their first live event. So Jenna very kindly wow. asked me to go there. So, yeah, I've got a few events coming up. Yeah. We need to get you to Hay. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to send them an email. They're doing a winter one. So I will be, yes, requesting that. Oh, I can bring <laughs> some Yorkshire sunshine for the winter one. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's talk about, so first of all, you were featured, as you say, by Radio 2 um, as one of their book choices. How, how did it all work out? Was it really scary to do the interview? Was it, how did it go? It, well, yeah, the actual interview was it was scary it was strange because they again that was live on radio too and and they said oh you know Matson, somebody will be ringing you a couple of minutes beforehand and I and I can remember thinking oh my god only two minutes I thought I'd have you know like half an hour's kind of like calming me down talking yeah. to a producer or something so they they literally sort of call you and then you're you're live on air almost and somebody called me one of the I don't know one of the assistants or something, the technician he said uh, can you hear this music I said, yeah, yeah, I can hear it. And it was really loud. And I thought we, I thought he meant, is it too loud? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's really loud. It's this techno sort of clubby music, <laughs> booming, booming. Um, and then the next thing I knew, um, I was live on Radio 2 with, uh, <laughs> with Anita. And it was wonderful. We were chatting. But I could hardly hear what she said because I had this techno music just in my ear I don't they must something must have gone wrong so I couldn't really even no. it was so loud I couldn't hear myself think you know when you loud yeah. music so loud that you can't hear yourself when it was like that I thought, I'm live on radio too <laughs> and I have no idea what I'm being asked or what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to flag my way through it and hoped it was okay so that that was quite scary a little bit of a disaster yeah well it but, sounded but great oh. yeah I had no idea that you were going through the mental torture of uh, <laughs> the loud music at the same time yeah I genuinely thought they'd say like oh right you can hear it we'll turn it down then but they didn't say anything like that at all it just seems to get louder oh no and so then the as you say the book went into paperback and then you were one of the Richard and Judy which is a, I mean it's an incredible thing um it to happen really really incredible I mean I knew that Simon and Schuster were putting the book forward 
um, you know, for, for Richard and Judy. Um, but it's a very long selection process. There's lots of books involved and it takes a long time. Um, so I didn't really think about it after that. And then in, I think, mid-February, um, my editor called me Chris, my wonderful editor, and just said, you're Richard and Judy. And it's like, what? I thought he was joking to start wow. with. And it was just, I mean, it was just brilliant. I mean, that changed so many things. It was great. And for example, the, the publication date was brought forwards because the wow. book was meant to be meant to be coming out, I think, in May. And so we had to bring it out um, in late April, just because that's when the Richard and Judy news yes. was announced. And we, we needed the book out there, you know. Yes, you announced. didn't want to miss that. <laughs> My goodness. And so, so that was incredible. The first time I went into a WH Smith's and saw, saw Evie on the shelf with the Richard and Judy books. And there's people like Dawn French and, and Joe Nesbo you know like a, a booker prize winner emma donahue you know she's yes. on there and it, and i just think well have they got the wrong person <laughs> there must be another tailor somewhere <laughs> who they meant and they've got me by mistake because it just doesn't feel real to see my book sat there on the shelves with these people you know joe nesbo underneath joe nesbo's name you say something like sold 45 million copies worldwide <laughs> <laughs> no, and it should. I tipped it off. I said to you when we first talked, "This is a Richard and Judy," and I was, yeah, glad to hear yeah. they listened. You absolutely um, did. No, I can remember you saying, "Yeah, it was, yeah, it was wonderful." How did the conversation go with with Richard and Judy? Was it? Uh, yeah, that was wonderful. You know, that was wonderful because I I was a, a university student in the nineties, and I think any university student in the nineties basically every morning consisted of watching and Richard and Judy you know, <laughs> eat, eat with a cup of tea and a cold pizza, and that's exactly what you know, especially if you're an English literature graduate where you, you really don't do very much at all other than sit around and read. So we, I had you know they they were such a formative part of my life and. And Richard and Judy, you know, they're, they're just there. They're like these huge cultural phenomenon. And it was so weird because it was a Zoom call like this. And they were at home on their sofa. And I, I was here at my home and they were on their sofa. And it was just like watching them on telly because they were, I mean, they were they were just there on the sofa chatting to each other. And, and you know, sometimes they have a little bicker and, the, yes. and Judy's correcting Richard. And, and it, I just felt like I was watching them on telly, except they were sometimes turning to me and asking me questions. It was very, very strange, but yeah, wonderful. They were they were brilliant to work with. Yeah. And how much of that do they edit down? Is it quite edited for when you listen to your interview on their podcast? No, no, no. I think it's pretty much, boom, you know, right, we're going to start now. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. So there, was, there was virtually no editing at all. I was on best behaviour. I, I, knew, I knew I wasn't allowed to swear or anything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about the yellow cover of the book because I've got the blue cover and I'm very jealous of people that have this lovely yellow cover how did that happen to have different colors well that was that was that was my suggestion that was my idea oh. I want because when I'd gone around with the hardback to all the independent bookshops um they'd been so wonderful and so supportive I mean the the success particularly of the hardback, is absolutely down to um, a fairly small number of independent bookshops who mm. absolutely got behind the book and were brilliant. They just got the book and, and loved it and, and managed to communicate that to, to their readers, you know, to their um, customers. So I wanted to try and do something. And so I suggested, can we have an independent bookshop cover? on an independent bookshop edition and, and I said can we maybe have a different color and I, I suggested writing a little essay in the back and I said I wanted to try and write something fun but just saying thank you to, to all these independent booksellers so that's what I did then so the, the yellow edition as well as having the beautiful cover there's a there's an extra little bit of content and it's I don't know oh. six or seven pages of something I wrote to say thank you to independent bookshops and, you know, just saying how important they are, not just as bookshops, but, you know, an absolutely key part of the community. Um, and I think through lockdown, they they kept a lot of people going and, you know, the work that they do is just brilliant. And I want to try and get that in there. So it's it's kind of, you know, from the heart, but but fun as well, I hope. 
yeah oh it's wonderful I mean if you could go back to when you when we were last talking um just before the hardback was published is there any advice that you would sort of sit yourself down and whisper to yourself I think two things actually I think the first thing would be start writing book two now <laughs> do it now start <laughs> <laughs> stop faffing around <laughs> that'd be one thing I'd do and then the other thing if, I think you know it's really weird because you're when from the moment a publisher signs you and you get the contract it, everything's leading up to publication mm. and there's a lot of people involved lots of meetings and it's all super exciting and you kind of I don't know, you kind of think, oh my God, life's going to change. It's, it's going to, I'll wake yes. up one day and it'll just be, I'm a, hey, I'm a writer, yeah. I'm an author. And of course it doesn't, it doesn't like that, particularly during lockdown, because you can't have, you know, like a, yes. a launch party or anything like that. So I think, I think that it would be something to say to all writers, you know, it's, it's a very slow, organic, lovely process, but don't, don't kind of expect, boom, you know, some sudden change, I think, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's really interesting to, to hear that. So, yes, you mentioned about writing, getting down to write book two. Let, how, how is that going, Matson, right it's, now? <laughs> I'm really close to the end of the first draft now. So I'm really close to the end of the first draft. Um, it's, you know, it's been it's been it's been hard writing because I've been out publicizing the you know the hardback. Yeah. I took two months out to publicize. And then the, with the paperback as well, I had a couple of months out where I'd go on lots of visits. So um, I, I kind of got back into it and I'm writing and I'm, I'm waking up every day at half past five and I make myself a pot of tea and I sit at my desk and, and, and I'm there normally by six o'clock and then I start. And that's before before I start kind of like work work as in yeah. you know, my, my my teaching my lecturing, and then after after work I'm beavering away as well writing. So yeah, I've I've got one more. I've got the final chapter to to do, and then a a couple of little interludes, and then that's the first draft, and that's going to all be sent off to my editor at, at Scribner, Chris, and we're going to meet in mid-September before he jets off on holiday somewhere and have what you call a line-by-line -line edit which is fantastic I love those because oh really that sounds yeah. horrible to me it sounds no and well I mean it does sound horrible but it's I think as a writer it's wonderful because it just I can always remember this is going to sound a bit funny now I suppose when I got my agent I had no idea really what an agent was or what an agent did and I thought oh I've got my agent this is the, like the most important thing ever and and I thought with my agent with it with an agent you'd sort of sit down and talk about the book and and discuss words is it this word or this word or you know yeah. which word should I have and I can remember in the in the in the draft occasionally I'd have like two words with a slash you know because I wasn't sure which word and I thought oh uh, I can yeah. chat I can have a nice literary discussion with my agent yes. and then and Alice who's absolutely brilliant I can remember about a couple of days before she was due to send the the manuscript off um sort of like you sent an email saying like and all of these things where you've got the da the, the the dashes you know or there are two word choices just make up your mind just choose one <laughs> and so and then but when you when I get the editor that's exactly what the editor does and so having the luxury of being able to discuss the words and the sentences and you know the rhythm of a sentence and building up building up to a joke and you know and and, and all of those things um is fantastic so I can't wait for my my line by line edit it'd be lovely and then I go off I've got three weeks off so my three weeks holiday but my three weeks holiday are going to be spent doing EB edits and and really you know because it's it's the first the first draft of the book is you telling yourself the story and getting the mechanics of it all kind of working yeah. and then the second third fourth draft are when you kind of really um, hopefully finesse it and, and you know bring out a bit of sort of beauty and, and magic and stuff in there yeah so am I right in thinking that this second book is set in the 70s yeah it's set in 1972 so it's Evie again so it's set in yeah. 1972 10 years after the first book and oh. so it follows on so there's some old characters and some new characters and I've loved being in 1972. It's really great. I've realized my 
my cultural uh, sort of you know knowledge of 1972 was very very poor because I you know I wasn't really around in 72 so I knew about you know, the late 70s and with punk yes. and disco and all of those things but I didn't really know anything about the early 70s and it's the music's just fantastic I found loads of brilliant music that I I would never really have listened to before you know huge things that people absolutely should have listened to like you know like Simon and Garfunkel you know that bridge over yeah. I wish I had I mean I can remember various aunts and uncles having it when I was really <laughs> young and so therefore thinking that must be rubbish because my aunts and uncles have it yes you of know, course and it was yeah. almost, I'm ashamed to say this now, but this is kind of, it was almost a bit like that with um, sort of David Bowie and Elton John. Because I remember them in the 80s. So for me, that's when I first really got to know Elton John and David Bowie. And, and again, it was something that sort of older people kind of, you know, some stupid teenager yeah. as I was, you know, I was like... <laughs> But, um, and so now I've gone back and rediscovered their music from the early 70s. And it is just beautiful, you know, incredible. I've got the CDs here. I'm looking at them now as I speak to you. And they're on all the time. And I love them. So what that's one of a great thing about, you know, doing writing a book is immersing yourself in the period. So I've just got loads of yes. music. That sounds quite different to my recollection of my music in the 70s, which would be the Smurfs and Captain Beaky. And exactly. Famous band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think my first record, which was in the 70s, it was the Star Wars soundtrack. <laughs> you know, like because I was obsessed with Star Wars. So for me, like music in the 70s is basically the Star Wars theme tune. And that you can't get any better than that, really. Yeah. No. That's when music started in the 70s. <laughs> it's better than Captain Beaky and his band, that's for sure. <laughs> the worrying thing is I can still recite bits from that, but never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we in book two, Evie is, as you say, 10 years older. It's in the 70s. And did did Evie come back to you very easily? Well, it's like, really interesting that you say that because obviously I had a gap between finishing the the very last edit I think for EV1 was done in February February 2020 and then I rewarded myself by with a with a lovely holiday to Madrid where I caught covid and came back and I was really quite ill for yes, you know for, you for, for weeks it was horrible actually um and and then there was all no writing getting over covid uh, thinking about the launch of book one and yeah. then going out and doing all the visits and stuff so i had a, a good few months between finish writing EV, finishing ev1 and then thinking about getting on with writing ev2 and i was quite worried i was thinking oh god will ev come back to me mm. will she be here will she be here um and i sort of i knew what i wanted to do with the first chapter it's always been very clear in my mind and i sat down to start writing and it was such a relief because it was like oh she's here oh. i felt like it'd be like like somebody doing a seance or something yeah. is the voice of evie where are you are you in the room and she's just a bit and it was wonderful and it's i i can't it's really difficult to describe i don't know because it's just i when i'm writing i know when something's even when something's not even the voice will just come um i watched a really interesting interview with sue townsend talking about adrian mona she said something similar she said it's just really weird this kind of teenage voice comes and takes over you and 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 that's it you're off and that's really what it was like with evie so but there's still the evie voice there she's she's now in her mid-twenties so she's grown up a bit but but she's still you know fun and you know, slightly naive but <laughs> and a bit clumsy with various things yeah but with good intentions and absolutely just... yeah I mean she you know like I, I can't remember somebody's on uh, Instagram or Twitter recently just said something like uh, we should all be a little bit more evil we should all try and be a little bit more evil and I thought that's yeah, because she does yeah. genuinely try to see the good in people. And uh, she, she's a glass half full kind of person. And yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so is a book three still planned for Evie in the 80s? And, and then that will be it. Is that how you're still thinking? That's oh. well, that's what I, that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on EV2 and the success of it. Definitely. When I first started thinking about all the books, it was as a trilogy. I think what I'd like to do before EV3, though, is another book, a different book. 
So I, I'm already started to think about this book and it's kind of, I, I don't know, I feel I feel quite, I feel bad saying to Evie, I'm sorry, Evie, but would you mind just <laughs> taking a seat for a, for a book, you know, just <laughs> you know, leave, the, leave this next dance for somebody else and then I'll be back like, yeah. later. But I, I, there's another book that I'd really like to write first. But this is something that I need to talk about to uh, to Simon. It's just a descriptor to Chris. Yeah. Yes, to see if if they're they're of the same opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something. Yeah, this we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's something that I've carried around for quite a few years, and I'd like to have a go. Uh, you know, at writing a, a book in a different voice. And just yeah. one of the things that I quite enjoy uh, about the Evie books. Obviously, I love writing the, the kind of the Evie chapters, the main chapters, where it's Evie's voice, first person, because they're such fun. They're brilliant, mm. and she's got such. Um, I feel really strange talking about this, but I was going to say she's got such a, a, a sort of a, a wonderful way of expressing things. Which is kind of, I don't. I feel like I'm giving myself a pat on the back there, but it's kind of. It's not me. It's her. She's kind of like I know. It's Evie. I know when something is an Evie way of saying something, and and I love the Evie way of saying something. I absolutely love it. But the interludes are are kind of. They were their third person, so they're a different tone, um, different rhythm. And, and I've, I've enjoyed writing those. So I think, well, maybe I'd like to have a go at doing something a little bit different. We'll see. Wow, interesting. So is there a date for EV2 yet? Oh, there is. <gasps> there is. Come on, let's have, let's have it. Oh, well, hopefully it's July 2022. So in July next year, next summer. 11 months I've got to wait 11 months to find but a- you're saying that as if it's ages I, I, I'm kind of thinking that's like the blink of an eye you know that's nothing no, that's nothing. no I can't wait till then oh my goodness well do you know one of the when one of your questions about you know like what, what have you kind of like discovered you know like over this year well one of the things that I've discovered is is I'm I'm now this kind of a tiny cog in the machine of Simon's just and and so you know you kind of like think oh well they can just bring the book out whenever really but of course you can't or they can't because there are there are lots of other books and they have to have their schedule and when yeah. you move things around it affects other things um and for example just a few weeks ago um chris phoned me and had a chat about the title of book two so he wanted to talk about the title and and he actually asked me to send him everything that I'd been writing up until that point so he could start reading it because Chris has got to start briefing the cover designer and various internal presentations at yes, Simon Juster and I because as a writer I wasn't I hadn't thought of anything like this I thought it's just <laughs> it's just kind of me and Chris and then you know together and he'll press a button on his computer and you know like it'll start printing out hundreds of copies you know the next <laughs> day or something but it is this huge big machine where where there's uh, a lot of time that needs to be spent on things and, and lots of people are involved so yeah oh, so next gosh, July I'm, I'm gonna have to be patient that's not my strong point <laughs> to be honest but never mind well oh there are loads of brilliant books coming out between now and then <laughs> I just want to find out what happens with Evie but anyway we'll, we'll all wait with bated breath for, for July next year to find out EV2. Matson Taylor, thank you for being a superhero and helping me today. It's my pleasure, Philippa. Thank you very much. And thanks for such a brilliant podcast as well. Honestly, yeah. when, when I was up in Yorkshire, all those six months, I on every week I used to listen to it. And it was so nice because you were just like, you know, because we we kind of know each other now. And it was lovely yeah. to have you there with me in Yorkshire, familiar, friendly voice. You Aww. you stopped me from going mad with my grumpy old father. Thank you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, wasn't that amazing? Just wonderful to hear all about that. Thank you so much, Matson. Matson Taylor, author of The Miseducation of Evie Etworth. So let's just go through the books that I've covered today. So we've had The Wedding Party by Tammy Cohen. We've had Summer Water by Sarah Moss. We've had Falling by T.J. Newman. Uh, we've had Many Different Kinds of Love by Michael Rosen. And of course, we've had Matson Taylor, author of The Miseducation of Evie Etworth. That's it. That's me done for today. Uh, I'm off to uh, have a quick break, hopefully. Oh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully nobody gets COVID before we go or while we're there. But anyway, we'll see. I will report back next week. Um, I hope you have a good week. Look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.